Hey guys, welcome to episode one of the Watch Me Work podcast. I want to elaborate more on the intro to the show and what the show means for me. So without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, guys, episode one. (laughs) Let's get into it. So, where to begin? What does this show mean for me? And what is the point of it? Um, Well, the show means a lot of things. And one of the things that I want to do is I want to speak on topics as far as um, dads not being there for their kids. And... This might be a controversial topic, but I don't think those people should be demonized. You know, we're we're always there, and we always make mistakes in our lives that we can't change. And the only thing we can do is just be better moving forward. And, you know, in my intro, in the preview to the show, um, I had mentioned moving from Pennsylvania to Texas um, because I got a girl pregnant while I was out trucking. And... One of the things that I want to do is is unpack that. So let's let's unpack that. Um, this has been I moved down here probably five four and a half five years ago, and and let me tell you it has been an interesting ride. And well, let's start from the beginning of these five years. Um, so I'm on you know, these dating apps and Tinder and I'm trucking around and I got people in different states that I mess around with and um, so I ended up meeting this one girl who worked at a truck stop and was going to college and uh, she seemed pretty cool and well, we just kind of struck up like a friends with benefits situation and well, my job hauling cows, which is what I was doing at the time, uh, that had kind of run its course for me. I'd done it for two years at that point, and I think I was about done with it just because I was out on the road for like two months and home for three days and out for two months, and, you know, that was a, a pretty interesting schedule to deal with. Um, and so I wanted more home time. So right around that time, you know, we're messing around, I, I decided to just go home and start working somewhere. Well, shortly after I got home, and uh, at this point I was pulling doubles for FedEx, I got a phone call, man, and uh, it was this girl, and she was telling me she was pregnant, and uh, I, I could not explain to you the, the emotions that rushed through my mind and through my body, and it was a very, uh, let's just say, bespoke experience, right? Because um, you're experiencing so many things at once, a lot of fear, and... Uh, just thinking like, oh, I fucked up, you know, um, which is naturally what's going to happen, you know, <laughs> and uh, I eventually just came to the conclusion 
that I would just move down to Texas. And let me tell you, that was the longest drive of my life. Because not only am I moving from childhood friends and high school friends and people I built relationships with for, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years, and uh, five brothers and one sister, my mom and pop, I left behind. And all that safety net, I put it in the rear view. And let me tell you, that was a long drive. <laughs> you know, um, and to be honest, there was times when I was like, man, I, I really want to turn around. But thankfully, I had this uh, moral compass that would not allow me to do that. And man, uh, I got there. And she hadn't, you know, she hasn't had my daughter at the time yet. Um, but I helped her throughout the rest of the pregnancy. And, um, man. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you know, I had my daughter. And, you know, at that point already in my life, and this is something I got to talk about, is I was already emotionally flat because I had been participating in a lot of quick gratification behavior, mostly around sex and porn. And this pattern of behavior had led me to be emotionally flat as a table. And by the time I had kids, um, I had felt, I didn't feel, to be honest, I didn't feel this overwhelming feeling of love because I was so disconnected already with myself and I was so out of integrity with myself, there was no possible way I could have loved another human being. <laughs> and <clears throat> I don't say that lightly because as the expression goes, hurt people hurt people. And um, what it took was just a couple years of me just showing up in order for me to develop that bond. And... Um, the first two years, I'll be honest, I, it was really hard. It, I was struggling with a lot of fear, and honestly, I was running away from my family, man. I, uh, I decided to work an absorbent amount of hours because driving a truck made more sense than raising a family. And just that, saying that out loud can be difficult. And... <laughs> um, Bear in mind, I'm kind of nervous right now, so I might come off a little emotionless. Um, but I don't say any of these things lightly because they... Moving down here and becoming a new father, you know, when you're moving anywhere without support is hard enough. And then you add being a new parent on top of that. And on top of that, you're raising this kid with somebody you barely know. You barely know each other. And so that's going to obviously come with its own struggles, <laughs> obviously. Um, and we did. And me and her, um, we struggled through a lot. And we had a lot of arguments and a lot of fights. And we skipped that honeymoon stage, you know. And we're still together today. Um, and we managed to open a, a, a part in our relationship. We're able to be honest with each other about basically freaking anything and everything. And we call it our check-in. Anyways, I'll, I'll deep dive into that later. Um, 
So I started working an insane amount of hours to avoid being home and avoid those responsibilities. And this is why I say we shouldn't we shouldn't demonize these people who don't show up because I can I can understand that fear and that insecurity and it is palpable and it is very real. Um, I'm not giving those guys a pass, but I can at least come from a place of understanding. And I think that's important for our society right now. And this kind of ties into our current society where, you know, all this name calling and everybody's a piece of shit and everybody's blaming each other. And I just want to tie that in to the culture because that's, that's where it's at. You got a lot of fathers who aren't fathers to their kids. And that creates mass disruption in our society and culture. And raising my kids for the last four years has helped me realize this. Because I'm always faced with this idea sometimes that what if? What if I didn't show up? What if I just decided to be that guy and not be there for my kids? How would my kids be? You know, what would that just propagate? You know, more kids that need therapy, more kids that might need drugs, more kids that might need this or that. I don't want to foster that crap anymore, man. We have enough of it. And part of what this show means to me, I'm going to bring this back full circle, is I think we need to take time and understand these these people because they're not bad people. I've met people who are just good people but they were too afraid to be a dad and they were too afraid to take on that responsibility because they felt like they weren't good enough or they didn't want to spread past their they didn't want to spread their terrible bouts of behavior onto their kids everybody has different reasons and I think you know when I was delivering to this one stop what I do is I, I deliver to grocery stores and I deliver to multiple um, every day. I do route work essentially and I deliver to grocery stores. And I was in Colorado and I was delivering out there. And man, um, ended up getting into a conversation with this guy, the manager of this grocery store. And he had, we had got on this topic. And I told him that I moved down from you know, <laughs> from Pennsylvania to Texas, and, uh, you know, that kind of sparked a conversation with him, and he was saying he's from California, and his daughter's still over there, and he never connected with his daughter, you know, just here and there on Facebook, um, but he had this slew of self-limiting reasons why he couldn't have a a, um, a relationship with his daughter, man. And he was telling me that he didn't want her to see him in his current state. And I was kind of baffled by that because he seemed like such a good guy. And, uh, you know, just for context, his forklift had broken down. And as soon as we started the delivery, like, um, 
And so we, I got stuck for four hours, and that man bought. Because what I like to do is I, I don't like to shop. I don't like to buy food at these truck stops because you can easily spend like $50, $60 a day. I have a fridge in the truck. I bought a cooktop, a, a little cooktop, $10 thing from Walmart pan. And I, I cook in the truck, and I make my own food. And um, So he, he bought my supplies for me because he felt so bad that he hold, held me up for like three, four hours. And... <clears throat> And it wasn't his fault, but in that time we got we got to talking, man. And I really felt for this guy because he was so nice and he had all these self-doubts that he wouldn't measure up or all these fears. And he was just surrounded by fear and shame. And I don't know what that feels like because I'm, I've been there for my kids, not always. In the first couple of years, I'd, I'd really failed as a father. Um, <clears throat> But then I started spending more quality time with my daughter and my son. And the more time I spent with them and the more of a routine I developed with them, the more I understood my connection with them. And I, I genuinely learned to love my kids. Like, it, didn't, it wasn't right away like some people talk about. Um, I didn't experience that. I instead experienced something else. Um, that love developed over time. <laughs> and uh, over the last four years, my daughter's going to be uh, four in September. And I'm glad that I'm taking the time now to develop myself as a human being and as a dad, as a friend, um, as a partner. Um, because I failed at all those things. You know, um, when I, before kids, I was very selfish and I was. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, and nobody could tell me otherwise. And I'm so thankful that I had the moral compass that I have. Um, and, uh, <laughs> dude, so this is what the show means to me, man, because I think if we get to the bottom of this major issue right here, I think we can start making some real change in our community. and. I don't think we should demonize these people that weren't there for their kids. But I'm going to tell you, you know, message to these guys who have never been there for their kids, man. Waited until their kids were freaking 20. The longer you wait, and I mean this, the longer you freaking wait, the harder that road is going to be. Because then that child has had enough time without you and has maybe developed resentment. And that is going to be very difficult for you to break that versus had you just started in the beginning. But guess what? You didn't start in the beginning. Some of you didn't. And this message goes for those guys. You know, I, I traveled 1,700 miles for my kids. And I know guys that won't travel 20. And, you know, at some point, that behavior has to start. From within, right? Just like all these problems in society has to start within the house, has to start in the mirror. Because if you don't, you're going to be perpetuating the same thing over and over and over again. And the cycle is going to repeat. So, um, with that being said, um, I'm going to elaborate some more. After a couple of years, like I said, I started developing 
you know, these really strong feelings toward my kids and I loved them and, um, and that was a slow process. And, but during those, during all this time, I started spiraling because not having a support system and going into this relationship, uh, being that we didn't know each other and all the fights and, and, um, going through this test of fire um, it was hard not having people to watch the kids because uh, my girls um, this girl's family is very fractured they fight a lot and they don't support each other they have a lot of drama and a lot of unresolved stuff um, and so we didn't have anybody to help watch the kids or you know, so she's going to school full time. I'm supporting a family of now five. And at the time, you know, that was very difficult, man, especially because we had one right after the other. And we had one kid right after the other, like three months after we gave birth. It was like, hey, we're having another one. <laughs> you know, so it's like mistake after mistake after mistake. And, uh, not my kids. My kids are obviously not mistakes. However, um, they have actually been the best thing for me. And, you know, I, a lot of times I responded out of anger toward my kids because of shit that had nothing to do with them. And they didn't deserve that. And I failed in those moments. But where I succeeded is I started to recognize the behavior. And I went down this downward spiral, man and we had no help um, no help watching the kids no babysitting no nothing I, I was supporting a whole lot and between you know rent and just what kids cost and inflation and yada yada we're all feeling that pain aren't we um, <laughs> so what this downward spiral looked like was me staying out in the truck and me having a relationship outside of my freaking relationship and because I was looking for I was still chasing the honeymoon stage I was still chasing love I was still chasing all the bullcrap I was chasing um, that I've been chasing since literally middle school right and to go back even farther you know just to dive deep into it, my my childhood just a little bit here you know my dad I watched him go through three divorces four major breakups and they really tainted my view on relationships um, and then that was only solidified by the time I was in middle school um, I was really in love with this one girl in middle school, man, you know, first love. And that's some really intense emotions right there, right? And so, um, she even cheated on me. And what ended up happening is I didn't even care. I was so in love, I didn't care that she had cheated on me. Instead, what hurt me more was that she didn't feel the same way that she said she did. And that hurt me more than anything. And... 
what you find is, and what I recommend to you guys is don't wait until your freaking 30s <laughs> to be going through, you know, your late 20s and early 30s to be going through stuff that you felt in middle school. Because what I realized is that I still had issues surrounding all these things. And it was affecting my relationships. And I was chasing the honeymoon stage. And this was fascinating to me because I was like, damn, this was this was all stuff back when I was a child, you know? But when you're going through therapy, you don't really understand what you hang on to. And it's always a surprise what you do. And what I learned is, because I didn't know what relationships were, I didn't have a good idea. My mom never remarried after my dad. She was in the battered women's shelter and my dad was homeless when I was a kid. And so my dad had all these behaviors that I started to emulate when I was older. And, um, and just, you know, my dad didn't just date, you know, he wanted to put on a Superman cape and save people, right? He would tell you this. And so these people he would date just never took the time to identify and solve their issues. And so that bled out onto us, like me and my brother and, uh, just for example, I know one of them, I guess her and my dad went on a bike ride and this is years ago. And I remember one of these uh, women coming up to me, screaming at me. And I'm like nine years old, screaming at me, asking me why I have to be the, why do I have to be the one to raise you? And all this stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I got the barrage of it. And I, she wasn't, I don't think she was mad at me. I think she was mad at my dad. I think she was mad that she had to step in and raise us for him because he was so busy working and probably doing the same thing that I started doing, which was avoiding my family because work made more sense than raising my own kids. This is crazy. So we move on from that. You know, and, and when I go to this heartbreak in middle school, I mean, I, that pain, those of you who have experienced your first love and had your heart broken, that pain is palpable. Like, it makes your chest hurt thinking about it. It's hard to breathe. It is in your gut. It's from with you from the time you wake up till the time you go to bed. And that shook me for three years. And what I later learned in therapy is that that played a major role because what I'm chasing it's not that I was chasing that person still. It's just that I was chasing that feeling of being in love. And so the honeymoon stage was the closest thing that I could get. <laughs> and so what I did was I would chase that. Because I'm so hurt. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what relationships are. I don't know what deep interpersonal relationships are. Because like, when my dad would have these divorces or breakups, we would have to move. And I would be in a different school district. Sure, we didn't move far. But I would have to relearn new friends and I would have to, I never had deep friendships. And I never got a good example of what a great relationship looked like. I had no idea. I always thought relationships were stupid. I later learned that that's not true. Relationships are very powerful. So I digress. Um, going further here. That behavior followed me that quick gratification followed me all the way up until late 20s early 30s <laughs> right um, and by that point all that quick gratification behavior the porn the 
the shit I did, the I destroyed relationships with good women. I've destroyed good friendships with great guys that I knew because I would sleep with their girlfriends. I was that guy. And I hurt so many people around me, man. Because I was hurting. I was in pain. God damn it, dude. I I don't this is a this is a heavy topic to talk about. But I think it's important for me to take ownership in this freaking episode for you guys because because it's going to help. There might be a whole bunch of people out there who might resonate with some of this. Who might go, you know what, dude? That makes total sense. And it's to you guys that I'm here for, man. This is the shit that I'm, I'm doing. I want to talk about my truth. My 100%, you guys will get it all raw. And, you know... So what I what happened is is that I became accustomed to chaos. And so when my life stopped having that chaos, I created that chaos for myself. Because I didn't know any better. I didn't know anything else. And I didn't have the forethought or a depth in me that was able to even realize it. And it wasn't until I had kids that really shook me to the core and woke me up. But it also wasn't until trucking that got me bored enough to finally recognize some of the shit that I was suppressing. And I think we all need to do that. You know, there's all these distractions and podcasts and music and, you know, I always equate, <laughs> I always equate um, trucking to the kind of the closest thing to living in a cave while simultaneously living in the, uh, while simultaneously living in the modern world. Um, and participating in it because I would maybe talk to somebody like every other day hey I'm, I'm here to open up pump whatever and um, that would be it I'd drop off my cows and that was it that was the only human interaction I got was either getting fuel or picking up in deliveries that was it and um, you know so you're isolated quite a bit and that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me also besides my kids because it got me bored enough to finally start looking in a mirror and start recognizing some behavior and start really recognizing that I had a problem because I didn't know I had no idea I had a problem man this was my norm was hurting people and I knew I would see these people crying and breaking down crying in front of me like why'd you do this like why why'd you cheat on me why why this why that and um You know, I, I earned every bit of being numb. <laughs> I earned every bit of it, man. And, uh, you know, so I say all that to say, <sighs> what I'm saying is, I say all that to say, this is what this podcast is about. Because there's so much of this kind of behavior going on with our young men. With these behaviors that no longer work for me, right? I found out very quickly that these behaviors stopped working for me when I had kids. And that spiraling was just one of the many reasons... Well, then, 
that was for one of the many reasons why I'm. Why Sorry guys, I got interrupted. I'm at a truck stop, so I'm still trucking, but I'm, I'm home locally way more now. Um, I go out Sunday nights, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and then I'm off on weekends. Um, anyway, regardless, <laughs> I'm at a truck stop, and I guess these, these guys almost got into an accident. They started honking at each other. Anyway, it made me lose my train of thought. <sighs> my spiraling was a direct reflection of these behaviors not working for me. And I, me not knowing what to do anymore. I didn't know what to do other than flail and try to figure out a new way. And, you know, then I started listening to podcasts and I started to identify with a lot of, a lot of prominent names. And I started to go, you know what? I did that. That makes sense. And then I started, once I started recognizing my own patterns, I started recognizing that everybody has these patterns. They're just manifesting in a different way. Whereas for me, it was sex and, and, and carrying on with my selfish behavior. Other people, it's gambling. Other people, it's alcoholism. Other people, it's this, it's that. All these destructive behaviors. And then I realized, oh shit, I have a freaking problem, man. Like a legitimate freaking problem. And that's what led me to therapy. Um, that's what led me to talk with people. It was on and off. I never... I never actually stuck with it, you know, consistently. But each time I would get these little tidbits of information. But the one thing I always did stay consistent with was journaling. And that helped me immensely. You'd be surprised, you know, when you're going through it one day and you're spiraling and you're writing down everything that you feel. And then you look at that page like a week later and you go, holy crap, man. I know I can see why I was. Right? You start getting little nuggets of information. And then I went to therapy, and my cousin, who I hope to have on the show here pretty soon, is kind of like a holistic, takes a holistic approach to therapy. And that means mind, body, soul, and goals in life, everything. Um, and that dude has about at least 10 years on me. And he's been doing this work for a long time. And when I spoke to him, it was revolutionary because he knew exactly what questions to ask, where to poke, where to prod to get the information he needed so that way he could explain to me where the hell I'm, what, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and to help me come to that conclusion. And it's powerful, man. Once you figure out why you do something, it's like leadership 101. If you want human beings to work for you, they got to know the why. It's important to know why you're doing something and it has to make sense. <laughs> And it's the same way with yourself. When you provide yourself and you're able to resonate with the reason why you're doing these behaviors, it's much easier to change them. It doesn't make it easy, but it makes it less difficult. Um, and I am now a huge proponent of, of therapy. And I'll be honest, man, I wasn't the best partner. I wasn't a good partner at all. You know, I had all these expectations I was carrying, and this was a big breakthrough for me, was learning about expectations. And my cousin Sam really helped me drive home this, this idea of what expectations are. And uh, the analogy that I have expectations that I uh, analyze it with, and that I kind of anagonize, or whatever that word is, what is that freaking word? Analyze? 
analog, whatever. That I, <clears throat> that's analogous. That's the word. Um, what's analogous to expectations is like a mold, right? You have this mold of how you expect a relationship to be, or how you expect somebody to be, or how you expect a certain situation to turn out. And nine times out of ten, these things aren't going to turn out the way you expect them to. And so you're setting up yourself up for failure. And I would do that in my relationships. I would expect these people to be like something that they weren't. And what I learned is, is that I have to meet every partner that I have, whether it be my current relationship. I have to expect, I can't expect anything from that person other than being who they are. And I can't even expect them to be loyal to me. I can't expect these people to be nice to me. I can't have any expectation. And when I learned that, I sobbed like a freaking baby, man. I I was on the phone with my cousin Sam and I'm crying, dude. Because I, when I had that realization, the amount of weight that felt like it was lifted off my shoulders. When you carry all these expectations, it's a... It's a self-induced weight you're putting on your back because you're constantly setting up yourself for yourself for disappointment and resentment and all this stupid emotion that goes with broken expectations, <laughs> right? I'm resenting a person for no fucking reason because I have an expectation on them that is unrealistic. Like how fucking selfish of me. Why the fuck? How? You know what I mean? And once I had that realization, I... It was like my life flashed before my eyes and I cried because I just, I recognized, I was recognizing that moment, all these times that I had expectations of people and all these people that were frustrated with me, you know, it's why my relationships never lasted so long. Cause I don't know what a relationship is. I only know chaos. You know I mean, there's childhood trauma mixed in with this too, but damn dude, there's, there's a lot going on here and there was a lot more than I thought there was. And I think this episode, number one, is going to be very important because it's going to set the stage for the rest of the episodes moving forward. And that's just a little tidbit of the kind of stuff I want to talk about because I think we need to understand people like me who have never had that, that connection to understand that these people are fucking hurting, dude. These people are so numb. They, you don't even realize how bad you are, how bad you're, how emotionally flat you are and how much you don't give a fuck anymore until you arrive at a place where you're tired of feeling that way and you do something about it and you do the work, which is what's going to lead into the title of this podcast. Watch me work. It means watch me work through these challenges in my life because I am honestly going to bring you guys the rawest parts of me and I want you to see that I'm working through them and you guys are going to literally watch me change my freaking life and I think it's so important to watch somebody who's still in the middle of their BS and trying to change and literally the work in therapy is a therapist's job is to shine a light on your patterns of behavior. The work is choosing different patterns of behavior. It's literally that simple, right? All the things you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing, stop doing those. And all the things that you're not doing that you know you should be doing, 
fucking do those. And that's what this relate this podcast is. It is me doing the one thing I know I should be fucking doing but wasn't doing. I've always wanted to do one of these, but you know, the limiting excuses were always like, oh, everybody's got a podcast or, you know, nobody's going to want to listen to me. Uh, nobody gives a fuck about what the hell I have to say. What am I just some random fucking truck driver out here? You know? I know I've jumped a lot around a lot in this podcast, but I think it's important for me to say all these things because somebody out there is going to connect with me. And dude, brother, if you're out there, I don't care, male, female, if any of this jives with you, write me an email. My email is freaking watchmeworkpodcast at gmail.com. Please, I want to hear from you guys. And I'm going to do a Q&A. I've already talked to my cousin Sam about this, and we want to. I want to do a Q&A with Sam, so we can answer your guys' questions. So when I get some kind of a following and we do Q&A, you guys are going to get your questions answered, man. And it's going to come from a genuine place, and I'm not going to judge you for not being there for your kids or fucking up in your life or whatever it is. There's zero judgment here, man, because I'm going through the shit, and I've done some of the most selfish shit you could possibly think of that I just explained here. You know, I literally avoided my family because driving a truck made more sense than raising a family. I mean, I think that's about as selfish as you can get. But I was also in a lot of pain. And I have to give myself credit because it's like the amount of shit that I dealt with that brought me here to this point. I mean, if it wasn't for trucking and I never would have I never would have come to this conclusion, guys. I never would have come to this conclusion. Anyways, with that being said, I'm going to end this episode right here. And if you guys got something from this, please share the show. Email me. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys.